Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm author and publisher Tracy L. Slatten. It's my belief that the most interesting, creative, and original voices today are heard outside of the big corporations, studios, and galleries. Individuals of courage, inspiration, and vision are seizing the opportunities to create and promote their art themselves. I'm here to support them and to bring their stories to you. On this show, I'll interview independent artists of all kinds, unusual thinkers, and even some healers about their process. How do they do it? How do they start with an idea and bring it to life in the world? This show intends to illuminate the journey. Feel free to call in to 516-453-6052 with questions or live chat with me at blogtalkradio.com slash independent artist thinkers. Great to have you with us. This is Tracy L. Slatten, hosting Independent Artists and Thinkers. I'm so happy to welcome you to the show. I've got a great show lined up for you today. I'm really delighted that people are listening to this show. Um, They're listening live and in the archives and in the iTunes podcast channel. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you're enjoying these interviews. I am, so I hope you are too. I created this show to support those brave individuals who are operating outside the structures of the big established corporations. But it's not just people outside um, big structures, but people who think outside those structures also. As the intro to the show says, I intend to illuminate the unusual journey and to bring it to you. I'm interested in alternatives to conventional thinking and conventional answers. I'm interested in creativity, fresh ideas, unusual perspectives, and originality. And this show aims to bring you models of people who embody those qualities. Please call in with questions or comments to 516-453-6052. You can also live chat me at blogtalkradio.com slash independentartistthinkers. And the, the chat room is open, so if you're in the chat room, say hello. Email me in between shows if you'd like to suggest a guest or have me ask questions of a particular guest. You can reach me at Tracy at TracyLSatin.com. That's T-R-A-C-I. In the coming weeks, I've got some great guests coming on. I don't have firm dates for people yet. I was away last week, and so things are a little disorganized. But keep checking the website, IndependentArtistInkers.com, and the Blog Talk Radio page to find out who will be on this show. I am so delighted today to have Dr. Deborah Jolliman as our guest. Dr. Deborah Jolliman, author of Skin Rules, Trade Secrets from a Top New York Dermatologist, is a world-renowned dermatologist with a private practice on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. For over 25 years, she has taught dermatology at Mount Sinai School of Medicine. She was one of the first physicians to use Botox in her practice, and her office remains a national training center for Allergan, where physicians are guided by Dr. Jolliman on proper injection techniques. Dr. Jolliman is known for her ability to give her patients a subtle, natural look using Botox and other facial injectables. Many of the most famous faces in movies and television come to her, as do models that appear in top, tele- uh, top fashion magazines. 
Dr. Jolliman is also known for her expertise in treating skin cancer and rare skin disorders, as well as more common problems such as acne and rosacea. Dr. Jolliman has appeared as a leading skincare expert for many TV shows, including spots on 2020, The View, Nightline, The Today Show, BBC News, CBS News, CNN, Dateline, Fox News, Discovery Channel, Lifetime, NBC News, Oxygen, Primetime, and more. As an authoritative source in dermatology, she is frequently quoted in top national print publications, including Allure, Cosmopolitan, Elle, Fitness, Glamour, Harper's Bazaar, InStyle, Ladies Home Journal, Lucky, More, Newsweek, Oh, The Oprah Magazine, Parents Prevention Shape, The New York Times Vogue, and more. You can find out more about Deborah Jolliman at drjolliman.com, and that's D-R-J-A-L-I-M-A-N.com. Deborah, hello. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Tracy. So nice to be here. I'm so happy you made the time to do this in your busy, you know, out of your busy day. So um, before I begin with my usual opening question, I'd like to just relate for the listeners. I've been going to see you for 25 years, and I love your products, and I've had excellent results from everything you've ever recommended. Um, and in fact, you usually know about products before they're widely known, so I've gotten in early um, before the rest of the world seems to know about certain products, I've been using them and gotten great results. Well, the listeners can't see your skin, but I can vouch for the fact that you have beautiful porcelain skin. And the one thing I can say is you listen to every rule and you certainly stay out of the sun. I do. You and I were joking the other day about me bringing, I have a foldable hat I bring, but you know, you were the one who told me 25 years ago to stay out of the sun, wear a hat if I wanted to avoid wrinkles. So I'm really grateful to all your advice through the years. Well, you certainly listened and it certainly paid off because you do have that flawless, beautiful skin. Oh, thank you. So Deborah, um, I, what the listeners can't see also is that you're incredibly gorgeous, although I did put your picture everywhere, so hopefully they can see that. It, you barely wear any makeup, and your skin is amazing. And um, Thank you. So you're using the your own advice, which is great. So I've, here's my usual opening question for my guests, and it's a big one. And the reason I ask it is because it situates listeners into who you are and what you're about. Um, so it's a big question, so find your way in and take it and run with it. And that is, How did you begin your journey, and what has it taken for you to arrive at the place where you are currently? What training did you have, and when did you know you were going to be involved in in being a medical doctor and being in dermatology? You know, why weren't you an internist or a podiatrist? You know, was skin a major something you talked about in your home when you were growing up? What did you think you would be? Um, Tell me about your childhood and lead up to now. So I think for me, I grew up with lots of skin problems. I had acne as a kid. I had sensitive skin. I had hives. So very allergic, sensitive skin. So growing up, I spent a lot of time with a dermatologist. And I was very interested in probably art, I would say. So I was interested in making jewelry and building furniture out of plexiglass. So I had a very artistic background, but yet I had skin problems. So when I decided to go to medical school in college, I had more of an art background than a science background. So I approached medicine a little bit differently than most people. Most people approached it more from a scientific background, and for me it was more with an art background. So for me, taking science classes was a little more difficult than for other people, not having so much of a science background. 
but I excelled in my science courses because I put my mind to it. So when I went to medical school, I decided to go to medical school to become a dermatologist, not to become a doctor. (laughs) So I really wanted to become a dermatologist so much, and it's a very competitive field. It's probably one of the most competitive for maybe the wrong reasons. I think a lot of people become dermatologists because of the lifestyle because they think of it as easy hours. For me, it was because I was so interested in skin, having had so many skin issues, And then the interesting thing for me is that it turns out dermatology is so artistic because you really need a great visual memory to learn all the diseases of dermatology. Didn't you once tell me that you felt your your background in art had helped you because you had a nearly photographic memory for paintings? And then when you were studying like skin issues and rashes that you were very, very good at remembering rashes, like identifying rashes because they, you had such a good visual acuity. Yeah, exactly. I think the great thing for me is had I become a cardiologist, I would have been terrible because I don't have a good ear for music, but yet for dermatology, I have such a good visual memory and dermatology is knowing, first of all, many colors. So In dermatology, there are many colors of red, many colors of violet. You have to be able to differentiate all of those colors. And so it's very easy for me being artistic and knowing all the different colors and the gradations of color. So that's one thing that's really helped me. The other is in art history, you have to be able to do an attribution of a painting. In dermatology, you have to know a disease cold. So you have to be able to look at a picture of a disease, let's say, and know the disease. And so in dermatology, people come with all kinds of strange rashes, and you really have to know those rashes, and you don't have a lot of time sometimes. When people come, you have to have an instant impression of what it is so that you can know what tests to run, what blood tests, what kinds of scans to send people for, or what kind of biopsies to do. And so I think the great thing for me is that looking at somebody very quickly, I really have a gut feeling of what disease they have. So people have come to me with the rarest of diseases from Papua New Guinea, and I know what they have instantly. It just comes to me because I have seen a picture maybe once in a textbook, and I know it's imprinted in my brain, and I know exactly what they have. Well, you, I think you, you did that with my little daughter. She had because she's such a climber, she got some kind of weird jungle rot on her face, and you were able to clear that up, even though it was a very strange thing for a Manhattan kid to get. No, exactly. I think that one of the strangest things was my daughter and I went to an exhibit of the Galapagos at um, the Museum of Natural History, and the docent spent a lot of time talking to us. And she was telling us a story how she had something on her legs and she'd been all over the country and no one could diagnose it. Not realizing I was a dermatologist. And I said to her, I gave her my card and I said, well, I'm a dermatologist. Come see me. You've been so kind to my daughter and I at this museum visit and maybe I can help you. And then she came and she had a very rare disease that she had gotten because she was so interested in traveling to unusual places. She had waited in the water in Papua New Guinea, got a rare skin infection that we diagnosed. And so we saved her legs. She had holes in her legs from having this 
rare skin infection for so many years that went undiagnosed. So for me, I really can diagnose very rare diseases very easily, and it's, it's effortless for me. But the other great thing about having worked in art is that when I was young, I did make jewelry, so it gave me great manual dexterity, and that's another great thing for dermatology because I do use my hands doing surgery and injecting fillers into people's faces, and all that good manual dexterity works so well for dermatology. So I really feel like the skills that I learned young really helped me in my field. So the good thing about what you do is you don't have to be good at everything, but if you're good at the things that you use every day, it really helps you. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Did you think you would be, before you knew and made the decision to go into medicine and be a dermatologist, did you think you'd be in the art field, like you'd be a professor of art history, or did you think you'd be um, an artist of some sort? I thought I would be an artist, actually. I used to love to draw, and I used to love to make things, and I guess when I was in college, actually, I took a course in jewelry making, and I thought when I was in high school, I used to teach jewelry making. I used to teach a course, and I used to sell pieces of jewelry, and I used to sell plexiglass napkin holders, which may sound very strange, but in those days, nobody made anything out of plexiglass. It was a very new material. Mm. So I used to make these very unusual designs, and I used to make plexiglass chairs. So it was a very new medium. So I really thought I would do something in art where I'd actually be making something with my hands with art. And I guess I didn't really think I'd be a doctor until later when I realized it was something that I could do and really help people. And I guess you don't really think of dermatology as something that saves lives, but it turns out that I'm so able to find early malignant melanomas that I think I've saved so many people's lives by finding these early melanomas before they've spread and have become life-threatening. So it's something where, you know, it's an old joke in medicine that, oh, dermatologists don't save anybody, they don't heal anybody, they just kind of keep people going because people always think of dermatologists as only treating like eczema and acne, let's say, which we do treat Mm -hmm. a lot of. But if you do find early melanomas, you've saved a lot of people's lives. Yeah, well, you said to me once that melanoma was a stupid way to die, and I always remembered that, so I always let you check me out. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> if I'm going to die young, it's not going to be a melanoma. Well, you know, yeah. the funny thing is that now that people come for Botox, and they come every three to four months, when people are numbing for their Botox, I make them have a mole check. So I say that Botox has saved more lives than anything else because people are here so often I can check them for their mole checks, and we do more mole checks more often, and we find these early melanomas, and we save more lives than we ever did. That, that's great. That's great. These unintended benefits. Of, um, exactly. That's, that's wonderful. Well, one thing I'm really interested um, with you, and I entitled this show The Doctor's Entrepreneur, and I've, I've written a piece about it that I'm hoping to publish, is that you're not just a doctor, you're also an author, and we can talk about your book in a minute, and you also create products. I mean, you are a real entrepreneur. So can you tell us how you became an entrepreneur, but can you also tell us about your latest products, which are the Sea Radiance Eye Cream and Cleanser, which I really love, and I even let my 11-year-old use the cleanser. Um, I could say she's even stolen it from me, but kind of what has inspired you to branch out and have more than a practice? And then also how did you get the ideas for Sea Radiance and what's so great about the Sea Radiance products? Well, you know, it's interesting because working in Manhattan, we have patients that always want to see instant results. 
So, for example, people will come to me with, let's say, acne, and they'll have had acne for two years with really bad pustule acne with cysts, big red spots in their face, and I'll explain to them it's going to take six weeks, two months, three months to see a difference, and people will call me two days later and they'll say, I don't see any results to your treatment plan. So I realized that New Yorkers are very impatient. And so I decided if I was going to create products, I had to create products where you saw an instant effect or else nobody would bother to use them till the end of the bottle. So in creating C-Radiance products, the first thing I set out to do was first to create a cleanser because everybody has to wash their face. And good skin starts with good cleansing. In fact, in skin rules, the first rule is about cleansing your skin. So what I did was I created a cleanser that would clean your skin. It would take off the impurities, the bacteria, the makeup, all the pollution, but it wouldn't dry your skin out because so often people tell me their skin is so dry from the cleansers they use. But that you, it would imbue your skin with moisture, but you could feel the moisture and you could feel the hydration instantly. So the first time you washed your face, it would feel smoother and softer because if people had to wait a few weeks or a month, they wouldn't use it again. So what I do when I have people test the C-Radiance Gentle Cleanser in my office is I have them wash one hand, not the other hand, and then touch their hands and see the difference in hydration, and people really do. So that was really something important to me that the ingredients were so mild, so unique, and the technology was so special that you could really feel the hydration instantly because I knew seeing is believing touching and feeling the hydration would lead people to want to use the product because many people said to me you know what I've used the same cleanser for 20 years I'm not changing so forget about it but then when they felt the hydration they felt the moisturization they saw the glow in their skin they were willing to change so that's why I wanted to develop this cleanser. I also had a lot of patients who couldn't use any cleanser. They just weren't washing their face at all. They were just using water. And I knew that wasn't enough to get off the dirt. So that's why I developed that particular cleanser. And well, you also patented interested the, in the technology. right? You were interested yes. in ingredients being as yes. pure as possible. Exactly. So not only did I put unique ingredients, the ingredients are all ones on the environmental working group where they rate ingredients. So we use the purest ingredients we could find to put in the cleanser. So the cleanser has, it's made of aloe, made of ceramids, hyaluronic acid, but even the thickeners in the ingredients are yucca, which you could eat, you know, from the yucca plant. It's got tapioca in it. So it's got ingredients that are very pure and a lot of them are very natural. So there's nothing in it that's going to harm your skin in any way. And most cleansers, the main ingredient in the cleanser is water, which can be very drying to the skin. Even though you're washing your face with water, the main ingredient is water. It can be very drying to the skin. So you want something that's putting hydration into your skin. And the other thing that was very important to me, being that I am an acne sufferer to this day, is that the hydration and the moisturization to the skin wouldn't block the pores. So that was very important that acne-prone patients could use the product as well. It's so that really, was our first product. 
Yeah, the cleanser is really, really nice. It seems like a neat trick that it washes off dirt but leaves the skin soft. I mean, that's a really neat trick. And it does. I've tried yeah. it, and my daughter loves it too. Yeah, so we've been really fortunate because we took patients who have super sensitive skin, who are acne prone, who really can't use most cleansers, and the majority of people, I can't say everyone can use it because there's no product everybody can use, but the majority of people with super sensitive skin can really use this cleanser and get a lot of moisturization. So that was a big plus. So then the next product I tackled was I thought, what's one of the main complaints people come to a dermatologist with? And it was, my eyes are dry. I'm starting to see fine lines around my eyes, even people in their 20s. So I wanted to tackle eyelid skin. And so I developed a product that gets rid of fine lines around the eyes. But it does it quickly. So you can use this product. And what we do in our practice is we take a picture of somebody's eyes. We put the product on. And the C-Radiance Eye Lift in 15 minutes gets rid of fine lines. And then as you keep using it, the lines stay away. And the interesting thing about this product is that it doesn't matter if you're 25 years old or you're 85 years old, it will still get rid of lines. So it doesn't matter how long the lines have been there. And then it has a unique packaging so that oxygen doesn't get into the tube. So when you squeeze the tube, the product comes out and then it seals up immediately so that no oxygen gets into the tube and also it's opaque so no light gets in to damage the antioxidants. It's got a very high concentration of antioxidants and also of peptides. And those are two ingredients that will work on fine lines and lines? Exactly. So what gave you the idea to create these products? I mean, how did you think to do to expand your business and not to be just a doctor but to also be an entrepreneur? Do you, would you say you have well, an you entrepreneurial know, only, Were you selling jewelry as when you were making it as a kid? I mean, how did did you just sort of grow up with this entrepreneurial characteristic of yourself? Well, I think for the products, I think for me, I can never find products that agreed with my skin so well. So I always had a yearning to have products that agreed with my skin. And in the beginning of my practice, we didn't make products. And I would tell people, go find a mild cleanser, let's say. And then I would give them lists of mild cleansers. And people wouldn't go buy them because they would say, oh, I didn't get to the store. This happened, that happened. And I found it was very difficult to control all the different aspects of a person's skin. So then when I started to make products, if I could convince somebody to get the product, I found that people's skin cleared a lot faster. So I found as a dermatologist, I could be much more effective if the more things I could control. So either if I gave the person the product or at least if I convinced them to go to a store and buy a specific product, they got better results. So that's why I started to get involved in products to begin with, was just to control more factors in a person's skin so that they could get a better result. And I found so many people are so busy, it's hard for them to go seek out a product. So if you could hand them a product, many people were happier and they got mm -hmm. better results. So that's how I started to get involved with actually with products to begin with. Yeah, you're original. You have a... a a sensitive skin cleanser that I used for years and years. It's a really nice, gentle cleanser. Yes, yes. 
So originally I started with the line called Prescriptions for Skin, and some of those products are actually prescription strength products that we couldn't sell over the counter that we made specifically like, let's say, antibiotic creams for our acne patients, and they were prescription strength products because we found that they just didn't exist in prescription form for patients. And I had very creative ideas. For example, there would be prescription products that were too harsh for a patient. So I would Mm. take a moisturizer and I would put an antibiotic in to make a gentler product for a patient that people liked better, you know. So it was just a better way to... Yes, exactly, right, Arc Moisturizer, yeah. You see, originally I would send people to a pharmacy and I'd say to the pharmacist, put an antibiotic in a moisturizer. And then it became so expensive for people to compound these products that I, I realized it was easier for me to just get a pharmacist to make it for me in a big batch. It was less expensive for a patient to buy it than if I had to send each individual patient to a pharmacy to have it individually compounded. And how, what was the process like for finding a place to manufacture the C-Radiance products? And you told me that's done in Pennsylvania. It's not done overseas. No, I would never make products overseas because I feel like there isn't the same quality control as making it in the United States. And the other great thing about making it in the U.S., is that I can have the chemist make the product, they FedEx it back to me, we test the product on patients, we test it on our staff. If we don't like something, they remake it, they send it back to us. It's made in very small batches, so we don't have to put a lot of preservative in the product. When you're making it overseas, it's got to come by boat. It takes months to get here, so it's a totally different process. And at, at this point, you've got a number of different chemists that you work with. Correct. Yes. You know, and different chemists can be good for different things. Like we're always working on new things that we're always trying to create. And there are products that I make for my prescriptions for skin line for patients. And then there are products that we're trying to put over the counter that might have a broader appeal for people, you know. Like the C-Radiance. Right, for the C-Radiance product. But um, in terms of being an entrepreneur, you don't just create products, that you're also an author. So tell us about That's your book, right. Skin Rules, Trade Secrets from a Top New York Dermatologist, and how you thought of writing it, and, um, and tell us about that. So, you know, I love to write. I've written all my life. I think when I was a kid, I started out writing poems and short stories, and I've always loved to write. And I decided that since I love to teach so much and I think that I can write very simply and clearly, I decided it would be fun to write a book that would just give people some basic rules to follow in taking care of their skin. And, you know, I know so many dermatologists who've had other people write their books, and I said to myself, I really want to write my own book because it's important to me to really do it myself just as it was important for me to develop the products myself. You know, many people have other people make products for them. They slap their name on the product and call it a day. But in my case, it's very labor-intensive. I wanted to write every rule of my book. And, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly I sat with somebody who, you know, edited the book just to make sure the English was correct, but I did write the book. So I thought about all the things that were important to me to communicate to somebody. I thought of all the questions people have asked me over the years about their skin. 
and I wanted to make it into a simple, easy book to read that would be very quick, fast-paced, and easy so I could get some of my ideas out into the world of things that sometimes misconceptions people had about their skin and just sometimes basic rules that I thought were really important to have beautiful skin. And so I set out to write skin rules, but what was funny was people said to me, don't you want to write a book proposal and then sell the book and then write the book? And I said, no, I want to write the book because I know I want to write the book Mm -hmm. anyway. So I wrote the book and then I sold the book. But the funny thing was when I had the book finished, then they said to me, you have to write a book proposal. So I I did it backwards. I wrote the book, then I wrote the book proposal, then I sold the book after I I sold the book, and then I had to write the book proposal because they didn't Mm -hmm. want to read the book first. So it was kind of funny, kind of written backwards. Yeah, usually with nonfiction, the book proposal comes first. Right, exactly right. The book proposal comes first. But I did it backwards. I wrote the book first, then I wrote the book proposal. But it all got done in the end. So it all worked out. So can you give us a few tips from Skin Rules? What can men and women do easily to take care of their skin? Well, I think the first, the most important thing is so often people are so busy during the course of the day, they get home and they want to just go to sleep and nobody wants to wash their face. I think when I quiz my patients, so many people say they just leave their makeup on and go to sleep and they'll deal with it in the morning. But It's one of the worst things you can do because there's new studies now that pollution ages your skin. If you leave that pollution on your skin and certainly the bacteria and the makeup. So even if you don't want to go through a a ritual of cleansing, at least take a baby wipe and wipe off your makeup and the pollution. But make sure you do something to get that off your skin so you're going to sleep with a clean face. And it would be even better yet if you could put on a little anti-aging product because, you know, when you're sleeping, that's the time when your skin regenerates itself. So you have a good seven or eight hours, hopefully, where your skin can rejuvenate and the cells can repair themselves and you can make your skin look so much better if you put something on to encourage that. And you can do anything from a retinol to a vitamin C product or a peptide, but there's so many different choices, but you can certainly encourage the anti-aging effect with a product. So you would tell the most important thing is to take the pollution and makeup off your skin at night and then yes. put on some kind of anti-aging product. Absolutely. And of course we talked about sunscreen, but when you're picking your sunscreen, not all sunscreens are created equal you want to wear a broad-spectrum sunscreen at least above an SPF 30. Look for one with zinc oxide or titanium dioxide so it's broad-spectrum, and wear it every single day, rain or shine, just like you brush your teeth, because sun damage is cumulative. Yes, you started telling me to wear sunblock. I've always used the brands you recommended. Um, And now now I think the last 10 years it's been Elta MD, I think, which is a great sunblock. Yes, a very good, very good product. The other thing is a lot of people sleep on their face on a cotton pillowcase. You could get one that's silk so your skin slides on the pillowcase so you don't get sleep lines. A lot of people end up with sleep lines. I mean, the other alternative, of course, is to sleep on your back, but I don't like that at all. <laughs> so I, I like to sleep on my face, so I prefer a silk pillowcase. Where do you find those, just? 
and any oh, you can good get them online. You can buy, yeah, anywhere, yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, the other thing that's really important that a lot of people don't think about is what you eat is so important to the health of your skin. But that's where you know there are so many studies now that the fruits and vegetables that you eat have carotenoids and antioxidants, blueberries have flavonoids. All those things will add to the health of your skin. So you are what you eat in that if you have an unhealthy diet, it's certainly going to show up in your skin. My stepdaughter, who's in medical school, found that when she went off dairy, a lot of her skin problems cleared up. But do, but I think that they they don't most dermatologists won't say that or most doctors won't say that dairy isn't helpful for the skin but definitely for my stepdaughter it was that was the case well i would say that if you're prone to acne then dairy is a real problem so we advise our acne prone patients not to eat dairy at all and then of course just to either eat calcium in your almonds your broccoli some of the other foods or to take calcium supplements because calcium is a real problem, you know, the, the dairy products definitely break skin out, as does high glycemic foods. So if you eat a lot of sugar, sugar is really bad for the skin. Not fruit sugar, but any kind of processed sugar glycates the uh, collagen and elastic tissue, which means it stiffens it. So it will cause wrinkles. So it's not good for your skin as well. I mean, the only food that has sugar that can be helpful to the skin is dark chocolate, which has flavonoids in it. So that has high antioxidants. So if you're going to eat any sweets, it's probably dark chocolate is your best bet. I switched to almond milk about three or four years ago when I moved to more of a paleo diet and I stopped eating dairy because of that, and I thought I lost weight and my skin got better. And um, almond yeah, milk, definitely. It, it says on the side of the carton it's got 50% more calcium than dairy. So, Yeah, um, almonds are great for calcium. Yeah, almonds are really good for your skin anyway, you know, because of all the oil in the nuts. I mean, I'm a big believer in eating nuts. So I think they're very healthy for the diet and for your skin. I mean, we like oils for skin. <laughs> All the nut oils are good. Avocado oil is very healthy for the skin. And then one of the things I always tell my patients is if you're going to eat fruits and vegetables, look for the most darkly colored fruit and vegetables. So, for example, if you're eating peppers, you'd rather eat a red or a yellow pepper over a green pepper. If you're going to eat a grapefruit, you want to eat a red grapefruit over a white grapefruit, more antioxidants. Mm -hmm. If you're going to eat an onion, it's a red onion over a white onion. So the more deeply colored the fruit or vegetable, the more antioxidants in it, so the better it is for your skin. I think they taste better. I love the way purple onions taste also. Oh, yeah, much tastier for sure. But all those things make a big difference. And, of course, exercise is very important as well, very, very important, because it Mm -hmm. increases the blood supply to the skin. And of course, you know, you want to sleep a lot. That's what they call a beauty sleep. It's a very important thing. I mean, I see people who come here looking so haggard. They want to fill the hollows under their eyes with filler, which we do. But then I ask my patient, how much do you sleep? And they go, oh, I'm an investment banker. I sleep four hours a night. I'm always on a plane. That's not going to be great for your skin either. So a lot of Mm -hmm. it is lifestyle as to how well you're going to look, you know. So 
you want to really take good care of yourself. You want to try to sleep seven to eight hours a night. It's going to make you look so much better, you know, because of the beauty sleep and repairing the skin tissues as well. Because also the cortisol levels go up in your in your bloodstream, which make your skin look worse. Those are mm-hmm. the stress mm-hmm. hormones if, if you don't sleep enough. So it sounds like while there are some magic formulas, there also are not mm-hmm. some magic formulas. Like there are things amazing these days. I mean, I feel lucky to be a woman of a certain age now because there's so much great technology, you know, most of which I've been introduced to through your office. Um, lasers and so forth. There's great technology for women, but at the same time, you can't overlook the importance of of lifestyle that's healthy and beneficial, sleeping well, eating well, doing what you can to exercise and so forth. Exactly. Not smoking. Don't drink a lot of alcohol. Exactly. So it's a combination because, of course, your skin, your hair, your nails reflect the overall health of your body. If you're anemic, it's going to show up in your skin. You're going to be pale it's going to show up in your nails. You'll have spoon nails. You know, so there's certain things we can see as a dermatologist that somebody just doesn't look healthy. We can camouflage it, you know, by well, doing treatments, told, but it's never also, it's good. You've told me that you've diagnosed people with thyroid problems because the skin on their heels was so cracked. Exactly right. You can hypothyroidism, definitely, with cracked heels. So there's so many things, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you really need a balanced lifestyle to look your best, in addition to using some of these great products, which some of which are kind of miracle products. Oh, they really are. I mean, definitely the great thing about dermatology today is if you have red in your skin from rosacea, there's a Genesis laser that can take the red out. If you have brown spots, you can do a Revlite laser and take the brown out. If you have depressions in your skin, you can use a Fraxel and take the depressions out from acne scars. If you need tightening, there's a Thermage radiofrequency that can tighten up your skin. We now have Kybella, which can take the fat out. It's injections, which can take the fat out from under the neck. So, you know, if you, if you have a little fat in your belly, we can freeze it with cool sculpting. We can tighten your skin with Exilis on the body, you know, there's a Vanquish machine. If you have less fat, we can tighten you and take a little bit of fat out with the Vanquish machine. So there are so many machines and so many technologies to help you along. But let's say you eat a pound of cookies every night and a gallon of ice cream, all those things are going to go by the wayside, right? Because you're going to just gain back that weight. So I think it's like diet and exercise, eat a healthy diet, exercise well, and then if you have need spot reduction, yes, we can do all these things to help you along. But in the end, it's what you do along with what we do to complement each other. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yes, we have lasers to remove sun damage. We have a, you know, a limelight laser that takes out sun damage. But if somebody's going to go back and sit in the sun without sunscreen, what's going to happen? They're going to get the sun damage again. So I always tell my patients, we have to work hand in hand with them to do the best we can for them, but we work together. So we don't want the patient working against us after we right. remove their sun damage, you know. So what are some of the major challenges you faced in your work and your journey so far, and what are some of the rewards? Well, I think some of the challenges are sometimes, you know, somebody came here this morning, and I had her before pictures, and I think we made her look like, 
maybe 10 years younger, and she came and she said to me, I see no difference. So that was kind of shocking to me. She said to me, you've become so highly recommended to me, I see no difference. So I showed her the before picture. I took the after picture. I showed them side by side. It was such a dramatic difference. I think you would have had to be blind not to see the difference, but she wasn't happy. Ten years without a facelift is ten years without a facelift is amazing. Right. So she was not happy. So you know, my job is to make a patient happy, right? What can I do? So I had to add more. Of course, I couldn't charge her. So I added more, and then I said, "Are you happy now?" And she said, "Yes, now I'm happy." So she's happy for the minute. Let's hope she stays happy. But so my job sometimes is so frustrating and so difficult because I can show people objectively in a camera something that looks so dramatically different, right? And mm-hmm. yet they don't see the difference. And yet I've even had it with cool sculpting. I was thinking I had a patient who changed two pant sizes, right? And I wow. showed her her pictures, and she said she didn't see the difference. I said, did your clothes size change? She said, yes, two pant sizes. I said, well, did didn't you think there was anything strange about that? Did you diet? She said, no. I said, well, don't you think that's cool sculpting? She said, I don't know. So what I'm getting at with this conversation (laughs) is there are people that have such unrealistic expectations that it's mind-boggling. So my job is not only to be a dermatologist, but it's to be a psychiatrist. I have to try to evaluate people and who has totally unrealistic expectations because there are people that you could take out 20 lines from their face but they're going to find other minuscule lines that nobody saw before and focus on those. Basically, it's the concept of there are people that are never happy no matter what you do. Mm. So if I could identify those people before I started, I would never touch their face, right, or their body because I would realize they're just never going to be happy. Maybe they don't like their husband or they don't like their job or they don't like their kids, and they're never going to be happy with what I do because they're just unhappy people, and I shouldn't touch them. So that's mm-hmm. the frustrating part of my job because I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm not a trained psychiatrist. But after 30 years, I've gotten some inkling of who is not going to be happy, and I try to not touch them. Mm-hmm. But I can't always be right. So that's the frustrating part of my job, and that's a small percentage of people. I can't always be right. So that's the frustrating part. And then a lot of those people end up in my before and after pictures, let's say, of their body because nobody knows who they are. And then I show them to other people, and people go, wow, that's the best result I've ever seen. So right. See, it's all just perception. And then the, the very gratifying part, of course, is the people who come back or who write me. People send me text messages. People send me emails, and they go, I can't tell you how happy I am. My skin is glowing. I never looked better. This is fantastic, you know. My daughter had a wedding and I got so many compliments or people always tell me I look so young or, you know, whatever it is. So it goes both ways. We get one extreme or we get the other extreme. So it can be an extremely gratifying job. And in the end, I love what I do because I see the difference on the people's faces. We take tons of photographs, thank God, for digital imaging. Mm -hmm. And I can see the difference. My assistants see the, the difference. And then, of course, the most gratifying of all is finding those early melanomas, saving people's lives, you know, mm-hmm. and also seeing patients grow up through the years, you know, treating you, for example, 25 years ago, now treating your daughter or your daughters over the years, you know, people, their family. And I guess 
One of the funniest things that happened to me this morning was this patient told me that I treated her husband 25 years ago. I regrew his hair. It was astounding. They lost my name, and they couldn't spell it. And then she asked her trainer for a recommendation, and her trainer gave me a name, and it was my name. And the Mm -hmm. trainer said, it can't be the same doctor because my doctor is too young. She couldn't have practiced 25 years ago. (laughs) So it must be a similar name. But, of course, when she met me, of course, it was me. So that was the best story of all for the day because she said to me, you must be a very good dermatologist or you have very good genes because my trainer said it couldn't possibly be you. It was impossible. (laughs) That was the best of the day, right? <laughs> so my Deborah, you do. You definitely look twenty years younger than you are. <laughs> so she said, "I either have very good genes, or I'm a very good cosmetic dermatologist." <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny. So anyway, so it is very gratifying to have the same patient come back twenty-five years later, who lost my name, but somehow refound me and bring back. She, the wife came, the daughter came. It was very, you know, it was very nice great compliment because the husband was still talking about me 25 years later. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Deborah, we have about 15 minutes. I'm going to pause for 30 seconds to play my commercial. I had a commercial for my books made, so just hang on. I'm just going to play this real quick. Sure. When you find an author you love, you read everything they publish. International best-selling author Tracy L. Slatton is one of those writers. Her book Immortal is a rags-to-riches-to-burnt-at-the-stake story of an orphan boy in Renaissance Florence. Broken is the story of a fallen angel in Nazi-occupied Paris and her award-winning romantic paranormal dystopian after-book series. Also, her bittersweet sci-fi romantic comedy, The Love of My Other Life. Read one and you will be hooked. Find all of her books at TracyLSlatton.com. So that's a commercial I had made on 5RR, which I kind of like. Fabulous. Isn't that fun? So Fabulous um, book. Thank you. So tell us about some of what you've got upcoming, if you have any upcoming events, and let my listeners know how they can find you. So let's see. Okay, so they can find me. I'm at the corner of 74th Street and 5th Avenue, 931 5th Avenue. Our phone number is 212-517-8855. The C-Radiance products you can find at cradiance.com. The Deborah Jalaman products you can find on jalaman.com. Our website is drjalaman.com. Lots of websites out there. So... um, uh, and we're still working on new products for CRadiance.com. I'm working on an anti-aging face cream. That'll be the newest product in the next few months to um, enter our line. So that'll be very exciting. Keep me in the loop, and I'll tell people about it. So let me ask you, how have you had to think outside the box in order to be successful? Well, I think... Um, Sometimes you do have to think outside of the box because, you know, I think with products, people always say, oh, I'm going to buy the products that I see advertisements for. So, you know, many people want to buy their products at Sephora or they want to buy products that an esthetician recommends or they want to buy La Mer products or they want to use the products that their grandmother used or that their mother used. So I think a lot of times, it's a lot to change people from their products. 
So you have to be creative and think outside of the box in changing people from their tried and true products. So that's something that can be difficult. And also, I think that people can be very stubborn when they come to see a dermatologist and they have very specific ideas about what they want to do with their skin, and it's the totally wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes for me, it's better to do nothing than to do the wrong thing. So, for example, a perfect example of this is I had a patient who wanted a very deep laser, and I knew it wasn't right for her. And I said to her, even though we offer that laser, and I said to her, for your color skin, you're going to end up looking like marble cake, you know. It's mm. not the right laser. And we could sell it to you with a very expensive laser. It's $4,000. But oh, wow. it's not right. So the patient wouldn't listen to me, of course. I said, what advantage would I have to not sell you something we make money on, but it's not right for you? It's going to ruin your pigments. So needless to say, six months later, she returns looking like marble cake, and then I have to fix her uneven pigment. So I think sometimes it's very – sometimes people seek out a procedure and they want that procedure, and it is very hard to go against the grain of what, some, what other people tell someone or what other people read in a magazine and what people want. And you have to be very creative to go outside the box. So it, it's really a hard job. You know, when you tell people what they don't want to hear. Or if somebody says to me, for example, I want to inject my lips. And let's say I think my aesthetic is that the person has beautiful lips. And I tell them, please don't inject your lips. You have such pretty lips and they're so nice the way they are. Mm. Right? I make no money to say that, but I'm telling them the truth. And then someone will come back with totally over-injected, terrible lips because someone wants you to make money on their lips. Then Uh I have to take it out and fix it. So it's, it's very hard. You know. How much do you end up fixing other other those kinds of mistakes? I mean, what percentage do you think of I your practice? I would say 20% of the day is spent fixing. You know, we have, you know, sometimes people say to me, why don't you do an article on fixing? But I don't really want to do that because I think it will scare a lot of people. Uh-huh. We spend a lot of time fixing. Because don't forget, a lot of doctors, are not core-trained doctors, meaning they're not plastic surgeons, they're not dermatologists, they're not cosmetic ENTs. They may be in other fields. They take a weekend course or a week course, and then they're injecting, and they don't know these fillers, they don't know these neurotoxins, they don't know these lasers, and they get into a lot of trouble, and they don't know how to fix them. And it happens all the time. Every day we see some problem, and then I have to fix it, and it's a lot harder to fix it then it is to start from scratch, obviously. Mm. So I do spend a lot of the day. I have unbelievable photographs of fixing things. Wow. And it's hard to believe, but you can fix them, but it's not easy. But it's fixable a lot of Well, hopefully it's fixable. Mm -hmm. Hopefully somebody has something that was done temporarily that we can fix. Well, what I like, anything I've ever done at your office has always looked really natural. Um, and I see a lot of women walking around with over-puffed up lips that look like pillows and don't look like lips. And I know they didn't come from your office because you wouldn't do that. No, no, they definitely didn't. But I think, unfortunately, a lot of people don't see themselves or they get so used to seeing something so unnatural that they lose sight of what does look natural. Mm. You know, and it, it's that concept of the more is better look. So they just keep putting, you know, and believe me when I tell you that 
I, let's say, put filler in somebody's face and it looks great. And then they come back a week later and they say, I'll do more. And I go, you don't need more. We're not doing more. we got to wait, you know, three mm-hmm. to six months or a year. And people aren't happy with that a lot of times. And maybe they go somewhere else to get more. I don't know. But I really don't. You know, once we finish, we finish and that's it. We leave it. We don't just keep putting more in because somebody wants to pay for more because it really is the wrong thing to do. And then you get into a lot of complications when you put too much filler. You put too much stress on the blood vessels, on the nerves. It's too much filler in a small space. And that's where people get into a lot of complications. So I don't recommend it. But I know that people, you know, some doctors are greedy and they don't really care. They just want the money for the procedure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why it's good to go to someone who's really experienced with injectables. Experienced and, with injectables and somebody that you know for a long time or somebody that you have friends that go to and you see the result and you know they've been in this for a long time. It's not something that they've suddenly decided that, you know, I couldn't believe it. My my boyfriend's internist started doing filler. I said, this is the most ridiculous thing. How could he start doing that? I mean, how is he paying attention to his medical practice if he's now doing the filler? That seems crazy to me, mm. you know. Mm. And where do you see your work in five years and 10 years and then 20 years? Well, I think the great thing about dermatology is it keeps changing. Every time I go take a course, they keep improving it. So I think the lasers are going to get better, the radio frequency, the fat melting technologies. So I just think it's getting less and less invasive and more and more effective. So every time I take courses, I just learn more and more. They get thinner and thinner fillers for finer lines, fillers that are lasting longer, tightening machines that are making the face tighter. So unfortunately for the plastic surgeons, I think it's putting the plastic surgeons out of business a little bit here. So less invasive surgery and more effective non-invasive procedures. Yeah, someone told me about like um, she she's Korean and she had was telling me about a Korean procedure where they put these strings in, and it's an outpatient. Yes. They put strings in to yes. lift the lift cheeks your or something. Face. I saw it. I saw it when on my last meeting they were teaching it. Yes. So it's a string that they thread through and it lifts your face. I saw that. I saw another procedure out of Korea. Korea is very advanced where they melted the um, fat under your eyes with a machine. It was incredible. Yeah. So they really, yeah, Korea is very advanced with skin care, with procedures. Right, I think of Korean women as having beautiful skin. I mean, they do, I don't know if that's and they really use more. They use more products than anybody else I know. And so, who inspires you? Who are your models? Oh, inspires me. I'm really inspired by artists. I'm telling you, I go home and I watch documentaries about these artists like Leonardo da Vinci, Vermeer, Gauguin. I'm so inspired by art. It really inspires me, I have to say. I'm just, I just watched a documentary on Vermeer, and it said he only painted two paintings per year. That's what a perfectionist he was. And wow. then he used lapis lazuli to make the brilliant blues that he made. I'm just so inspired by art. 
and just to do, I, I guess my motto is whatever you do, do it the most perfect you can. Just do the best possible job you can. And that's what Vermeer did. He just was such a perfectionist. So that really inspires me, I have to say. Have you been to the new Met Brewer? Because Sabin and I went yes. last weekend, and yes. they, they have the the um, Michelangelo's study for the Libyan Sybil right next to this beautiful facial portrait that Leonardo had done. It was sort of extraordinary. It's, yes, and then I was watching this documentary where they said they found a new Leonardo, which was the most one of the most beautiful faces I've ever seen. His face, facial paintings were just the faces were so exquisite. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just hard to believe that people created such beauty, you know, that it's man-made. They're so exquisite. I well, find art so inspiring. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, really do too. Do. I, I think Leonardo liked women, and he was able to make really beautiful women. I always find Michelangelo. Beautiful women. His, his women yeah. are mad. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so incredible, really. I don't know. I'm so inspired by art. I could just look at art all day long. Really, so it's so uplifting to see what people created. It's incredible, really. So we have only a couple minutes left. Um, can you tell us what's a fun fact people might not know about you? A fun fact? Let's see. Um, well, I learned to tap dance when I was three years old. <laughs> and so when I was in medical school, I actually got to tap dance with some very famous tap dancers downtown. I think my boyfriend in medical school was rather shocked that, that I would get up on stage and tap dance with these famous tap dancers, but I studied it when I was so young. That's cute. I could That's do the cool. old soft shoe. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I and love what... to dance. I've danced all my life, really. That's cool. I did not know mm-hmm. that about you. <laughs> what do you do in your spare time? In my spare time, well, my boyfriend is an avid boater, so you can find me most weekends. But, of course, just to know I have lots of sunscreen on and a hat, but you can find me on a boat. (laughs) You can find me either on a kayak or on another boat, but we're always boating. We're always boating. And I have a Havanese dog, and he's an avid boater. He just jumps in the boat himself, and he goes out on the dock and just jumps right in the boat, and he's ready to go. So it's really very funny. You see a dog that likes the boat so much. Yeah, we're always on a boat. <laughs> very funny. And any last words for people about their skin care or about your journey as an entrepreneur and a doctor? Well, I guess for skin care is don't expect instant results. If you use a new product, give it a chance to work. It does take time. And I think the most important thing about taking care of your skin is to make it a ritual, you know, to do the same thing every morning, every night, and just do it for a while before you expect to see a change in your skin. It does take time when you're using new products. And if you're going to change products, you know, just when you change your products, you know, it's going to take time to see the results. For me is I love what I do so much. I just feel so fortunate to become a dermatologist. I just picked the most perfect field for myself. If there was no reimbursement for it, I would do it anyway. When I go on vacation, I love my vacations, but I do love to come back to what I do. I really feel it's a gift to be able to do what I do because it's instant gratification. You do something to somebody's skin and you get to see the results immediately. So it's very exciting and 
it's always changing, so I'm always getting to learn something new, so I'm always a student learning, so I just feel very fortunate. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for coming on the show and for talking with us and telling us all this cool stuff. Well, thank you. And um, so uh, thanks for being on the show, and I will talk to you soon. Perfect. Thanks, Tracy. So that was Deborah Jolliman, and you can find out more about her at drjolliman.com, D-R-J-A-L-I-M-A-N. Thanks for tuning in, and come, come back next week. When you find an author you love, you read everything they publish. International best.